I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this 18th of November, Thursday afternoon. The year is 2021. This is Scoop Podcast episode 371. Sincere apologies. It has been a while since I have recorded a new Scoop Podcast. Both boys, my 10-year-old, my 7-year-old, love basketball, especially my 7-year-old. I love the fact that he loves to hoop. So I don't want to miss practice games. It's just it's so difficult being pulled in multiple directions, trying to balance everything. My main job, the TV job, you know, takes priority work-wise. I just don't have a lot of time to get here in the podcast studio, but we'll do my best as the calendar flips to 2022. I'll make it a new year resolution, trying to do more individual podcasting, but I do join Judd Zolgad, Phil Mackey, every Tuesday and Thursday. That has not changed, so I certainly have plenty of information that I throw their way, especially Judd, you know, mostly Tuesdays with Judd. Phil sometimes mixes in on Thursdays, but Judd is always there. I throw Judd and Declan Goff a bunch of different nuggets every Tuesday and Thursday, so I highly recommend checking out those particular podcasts. But when it comes to my own individual podcast, The Scoop, I promise I will attempt to do a better job as the calendar flips to 2022. Like always, I will empty out my figurative notebook. Then we will get to a couple conversations. Max Williams and Anoka native Blue Jays pitcher, minor league pitcher. He threw a couple no-hitters this year, Trent Palmer. In no particular order, let's start with the Wolves. I just got an email in my work inbox from Maxim Bet. The latest Maxim Bet Ben Simmons trade odds. Oklahoma City atop the list. Sacramento, San Antonio, Portland, then six other teams listed. No Wolves. Now make no mistake about this. The Wolves still want Ben Simmons badly. Sachin Gupta, the new Wolves boss, has been in touch with the Philadelphia front office. Sachin Gupta, like Gerson Rosas, believes that Ben Simmons would be an excellent fit here in Minnesota. But the same hurdles remain as many months ago that Philadelphia, unless I hear otherwise, does not have any interest in D'Angelo Russell. Would Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels, a couple future first-round picks do the job? I think they can get more than that. For Ben Simmons. So I need to hear otherwise that Philadelphia has interest in who the Wolves are willing to move, which is a lot of guys. Like December 15th changes a lot of things, right? Where guys are trade eligible that are not trade eligible right now. So the Wolves will maintain dialogue. I am positive on that front. But until I hear that Daryl Morey has trade interest in some of these Wolves players, it's just hard for me to see a scenario where Ben Simmons. Lands here, but Sachin Gupta, the inventor of the ESPN trade machine, will try to get uber creative, involve a third team. Those talks are ongoing. I am told that Gupta has been on the phone, but more so to acquaint himself with front offices he doesn't have a relationship with. He also wants to scout in person more, too. 
He was at the Garden, Madison Square Garden last week to watch Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State. I am told he has sent at least one of his assistant general managers out to watch some NBA games too. You can never have too much trade data. He brought in some new scouts. The Wolves are scouting a ton right now, a ton of college games. As of now, the Wolves have their first round pick next June. They will have multiple second round picks. They have hit up as many college games from my standpoint as any NBA franchise. Heck, they were at Nebraska Creighton this week. They've been all over the place. Now, some of that might be as simple as, hey, last year, COVID, it was a weird year to scout. Last year, these scouts, it's literally their job to be in gyms, watching practices, watching games. So they are happy to be out and about once again. But I can just tell you, like hearing about a lot of pass lists and a number of these college games, the Wolves have been omnipresent. They are scouting a ton. In fact, it's not just a focus on the 2022 draft. This weekend, New Haven, Connecticut, there is a big high school showcase. You know, teams like Sunrise Christian, some other prep schools, a ton of 2023 NBA draft prospects will be there in Connecticut this weekend. The Wolves will have a scouting presence. Back to trade talk. I've been in contact with a few league executives. All have told me to keep an eye on Toronto. Now, Toronto is dealing with a few injuries right now. I just saw... OG Ananobi is hurt. He is going to miss some time. They have some other guys banged up. So a guy like Chris Boucher, who would make a lot of sense for the Wolves, is now going to be thrust into a bigger role for the Toronto Raptors. But I am told Toronto is looking to do some stuff. Boston, New York, Portland, those are teams to keep an eye on. Also, eventually, Indiana. Now, they want to ride this thing out a little bit longer with Rick Carlisle, seeing if he can make all the pieces fit. But I still wonder about Miles Turner. I can tell you there are Miles Turner fans here in the Wolves front office. But, you know, much like Ben Simmons, is there a logical match? Can you find a logical match, Indiana and Minnesota? Now, Jaden McDaniels, even though he is not off to a good start, he still holds appeal. Would you be willing to move Leandro Bolmaro? He has fans in the league. Heck, the games he's played for the G League Iowa Wolves, he has been phenomenal. He's still a year or two or even three years away from making a big impact in the NBA. But Leandro Bolmaro has fans in the league. So let's wait and see if Gupta can be creative. Zolget asked me this morning if Gupta has leeway, if he has permission to make moves. Yes, he 100% does. I have no reason to believe if Sachin Gupta brings Glenn Taylor a trade offer that Glenn is going to veto said offer. Glenn Taylor has given Gupta full permission to seek out trades. By the way, the first phone call Gupta would make would be to Glenn Taylor, not to Mark Lori or Alex Rodriguez. For the next two years, December of 2023, for the next two years, Glenn Taylor is still this team's majority owner. I just think some Wolves fans and others are forgetting that because Laurie and A-Rod are so omnipresent. But make no mistake about this, Glenn Taylor is still the big boss. He is still in charge. He has final say. I hear the Wolves are talking with Gerson Rosas about a financial settlement. Think back to when they let him go 
he was still under contract, so there is a monetary kerfuffle for them to solve there. Had a high-ranking non-Wolves team official ask me this week if Lori and A-Rod will get their finances squared away. Just a reminder that league people are wondering. Two years out, lots of time to go. I can tell you Wolves people are operating as if Lori and A-Rod will take over as majority owners two years from now. The $250,000 fine that the Wolves received this week for that Miami gathering in September is laughable. Had two non-Wolves team officials text me that, saying tampering happens all the time. These types of workouts happen all the time where the team foots a majority of the bill. So why fine the Wolves? Is it because they were so open about it? I remember talking to Chris Finch at the State Fair early September, like September 1st, September 2nd. He was talking about this trip. I recall at least one conversation with Rosas. Can't recall if it was on background or on the record, but he was very open about it saying, hey, go run with it. Say, yeah, we'll be down in Miami. It's good for us to get the word out that we are busting our butt ahead of training camp. So I don't know if it's just because the Wolves were so open about it, if they hung out at Alex Rodriguez's house had dinner there, had a team workout there. I'm not quite sure, but just some league people are wondering why you would single out the Wolves when just about everybody is doing something comparable. Let's transition to the Vikings. Wednesday was a crazy day in Egan with false positives on COVID tests. Brian O'Neill was the biggest scare, but all the players, O'Neill included, are good to go Sunday against the Packers. Unfortunately, right now, Kenny Willekes, well, the good news is he is doing great. He is vaccinated. But being COVID positive, he has to produce two negative tests. He's yet to do that, so can't return. Defensive tackle Michael Pierce does not need immediate surgery on his elbow. The Vikings do believe that he'll return this year. I am told that Mike Zimmer's 2023 contract is fully guaranteed. If wondering if the end comes in January, how much it'll cost the Wilfs. Anthony Barr is expected to play Sunday, but, and Adam Zimmer has alluded to this recently, his knee will be a chronic issue, as in the rest of the year. He'll have to fight to play each week. And remember, Barr is a free agent come March. Just hard to see a scenario where Barr is back in purple. Transitioning to the Twins, I personally, this is my opinion, love Marcus Stroman. Now, I'm okay if the Twins want to publicly admit, hey, 2022 is a rebuild. We'll be all in on competing at a high level in 2023. We'll save our dollars until next winter, but I don't foresee a scenario where the Twins admit that publicly. So, hey, they will keep saying we have every intention of competing, competing at a high level in 2022. So if that is indeed true, I personally love Marcus Stroman as a fit. Unfortunately, no Twins interest registered as of yet in Stroman. I like Kevin Gossman as well, but nothing. Much like Stroman, nothing going on between the Twins, at least so far, and Kevin Gossman. I tweeted about pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez and said a few days ago there was no Twins interest. Let me expound. They discussed him internally 
I'm led to believe there was at least one external conversation, but no offer was made. But Eduardo Rodriguez has fans here in the Twins front office. 40-man additions coming Friday. Miranda, Winder, Lewis. They are obvious. Probably Sands, too, and maybe one or two more. The Twins made Jose Barrios multiple multi-year offers over a three-year period, but they did not come close to touching what he got from Toronto. You can really look at it as because he had one year of arbitration eligibility left, you could look at it and say, okay, he's due $11 million in 2022. So really, it's a six-year, $120 million contract. Bottom line, the Twins didn't touch that sort of offer, certainly more so on term. On an average annual basis, yeah, they would have touched in that neighborhood, maybe not quite $20 million a year, but in that ballpark. But... The Twins were never giving Jose Barrios a six-year offer, even at his young age, with his durability. He has never been seriously injured. The Twins have interest in re-signing Michael Pineda, but yet to hear of any offer being made. I'm not so sure there is a universal opinion on what to do with Byron Buxton. My sense, some in the organization want to pay him and pay him a lot of money, presumably over $100 million guaranteed. Others, I'm not so sure on. They definitely listened to trade pitches on Buxton last week at the GM meetings in Carlsbad. A little bit on the Gophers. I do think P.J. Flex agent could have leveraged the Virginia Tech opening or if Penn State opens up, if James Franklin takes the USC job into a raise. But if Mark Coyle fell for any USC chatter, shame on him. Zero sense that Fleck has ever been in any sort of top three for the USC job. I do think Fleck is being genuine in that he loves it here, his wife loves it here, his kids love it here. Remember, him and his wife are both co-parenting. Being in the Midwest helps in that regard. Like a couple years ago, P.J. Fleck was never going to Tallahassee, Florida to coach at Penn State. Not that Florida State had Fleck atop their list, but was there some interest? Yes, but I just, I don't think he was uprooting heading to Tallahassee, Florida with his kids still, you know, elementary school aged, middle school aged, It just helps to be here in the Midwest. Riley Tufty, Dallas Stars, Blaine High School. He's the forgotten homecoming king tonight. We're fixated, and I get it on Ryan Suter's return to the XL Energy Center. But what about Riley Tufty? Called up by the Dallas Stars a couple days ago. I texted with Riley earlier today. Great kid. He'll have over 100 family and friends at the X. I'm sure I just scribbled down a few notes. I'm sure I forgot something that I have, as always, shameless plug, my Twitter account, D Wolfson KSTP, D Wolfson KSTP, because I'm sure I left something out that I meant to get out on this podcast. But my hope is I'll be back in front of the microphone early next week or middle of next week, maybe Wednesday before Thanksgiving with another episode, if not before Thanksgiving, immediately after. Thanksgiving. All right, let's get to a couple conversations. My first one is actually from 
like two weeks ago. Max Williams, Waconia native, former Gopher football player. He got off to a phenomenal start this season with the Arizona Cardinals. In fact, remember week two, he had a dominating performance against the Vikings. Something like, what, seven catches for nearly 100 yards. He had scored a couple touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season. Then week five hit. Home game against the San Francisco 49ers. Makes a catch. Right sideline. Takes a nasty hit to his knee. Out for the season. Devastating knee injury. He underwent surgery about three, four weeks ago. He is doing well. I caught up with Max a couple weeks ago. We talked about... His rehab process, heck, he's a free agent in March. Would he like to be in Arizona long-term? We talked some gophers. In fact, the day I caught up with Max was the day the P.J. Fleck extension news broke. Then at the end, I asked him about Lamar Jackson because Max used to play in Baltimore with Lamar. That was the week the Vikings were playing the Ravens. So, yeah, should I have put that interview out weeks ago on a podcast? Yes, but everything he says here is applicable. So I will unearth my conversation with Max for Scoop Podcast consumption right now. Here is my recent conversation with Arizona Cardinals tight end Max Williams. Max, let's just start with the news that is incredibly fresh that you got some stitches out of him and I suppose it's like it's another box to check in the rehab process. I mean, that's good news. Tomorrow is going to be my two weeks out of surgery. Obviously not the way I was hoping my season was going to end. Obviously I was having fun and we we're having a good time as a team, but it's one of those you can't, you can't, I mean, it happens. It's football. I wouldn't be playing this game if I didn't knew fluke stuff would happen. It's not like anything I could have done anything different to prevent the injury. It's just kind of one of those things that happens. And I just happened to get the short end of the stick on that play. How hard has it been though to grasp that just the roller coaster of emotions? I have to imagine it has been a roller coaster going back and You know, I think weeks. that just, uh, Relying a lot on leaning on my wife, talking to her, talking to my family, having a lot of great teammates, and everyone still around the building. It's tough. It's one of those tough pills to swallow. Obviously, not being able to play the rest of the season. Obviously, after everything, and people are going to say all in the past, all the injury history. But like, I couldn't prevent anything. So that's how I'm looking at it. Because it doesn't matter what anyone outside of the building saying. All I know is, is I'm going to come in every day and rehab best I can to be back by camp next year and just do it all over again. And that's the life of the NFL, isn't it? It is the life, although you were riding this incredible high, like you had put together a stretch that you had never put together before. I think about the way you played against the team that I cover, right? The Vikings in week two, you know, then the performance in LA. So for like that stretch, that was the best stretch you've ever had in your career. Yeah, I think it was one of those, uh, I was feeling really confident. I was feeling really good being in the same system. Now, obviously three years, coaches had confidence and it was one of those things we had a good vibe going. If it's me, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to keep the same momentum going. I'm not going to miss a beat next year. I'm just going to go right back to what I was doing, and that's how I'm planning on rehabbing, and that's how I'm attacking every day. So rehab is going well, though? I mean, yeah, now you're a couple I mean, weeks out? I feel as good as you can feel after having surgery two weeks out and taking it every – I try to say every day I do, we just set little goals. What can I do a little bit better than I did yesterday? And I figure as long as I attack every day, one day at a time, the time's going to fly by, and before I know it, I'll be out running and – wishing it was the season starting again and that it wasn't just the middle of winter or springtime because I'll be ready to play. So what is the exact diagnosis? Did you tear multiple ligaments? Is it just the, the you know, ACL? I don't want to really talk about as much yet because I want to see how I progress and stuff. I know Coach said he didn't disclose any of it either, but 
obviously you can watch the video and know I, I hurt my knee pretty good. And uh, but that's all right. You know, I'm not the first guy to come back from a knee injury, and I'm definitely not going to be the last. I've done it before with my left knee, and that was a, that was totally, totally different. That was all cartilage issues and all that. So I'm, I'm avoiding that, knock on wood. So really for me, it's just going to be rehabbing it like any other guy rehabs back their knee. And, I mean, I got, I got no issues thinking I'm going to be back. And I've that's the mentality I've always kept my whole career. Obviously, you guys have been covering the Gophers since I was there in, what, 12 I got to school or whatever. So you know me better than anyone. I'm going to be smiling every day, doing whatever I can to help my teammates out and having fun still. Heck, I remember quarterback Max Williams at Waconia. Hey, so I forget. Someone asked me about that couple weeks ago in an interview right before I got hurt about my quarterback days like what my average throws were I'm like I don't do that is a lot of football I don't remember that stuff I'm just here playing whoever I was worried about that week we were about to play here you know what though like if I told you you know 10th or 11th grade year at Waconia that you'd be sitting here now all these years later as an accomplished pro like what would you have told me you know uh, hard work pays off you know, I, I, you asked me back then and everyone else, my goal and my dream was always to be at this level, following my dad's footsteps, trying to be like him and be the best player I can be. And I look back at those high school days, but every single kid that I talked to as a senior in high school or anyone who's still doing it, I'd go back, I'd do it over. I'd go back freshman year football and I'd start it all over Friday night under the lights, having those moments with a small town. I mean, you don't get that at the college level, the pro level, just that small sense of community and what it meant to be a high school football player. Then obviously to stay home, play at Minnesota, and now be able to live my dream in the NFL, I'd go over and do it all over again. No matter all the injuries, everything, I'd do it all over again. Have you watched back the video? You mentioned the video. Many of us have seen it. I think we knew instantly, you know, unfortunately it was it was a yep. dire injury. Have you specifically watched back the video? I watched video? it once. I watched it uh, that night when I finally got home back to my house. I watched the video one time and I don't need to see it anymore. I, I lived it. I saw it. I didn't need to see exactly. I had to see it for myself. And now it's like, you know, what's that going to do for me besides motivate me to show what I can come back from? People have doubted it before, doubted me about what I can do. And just all more motivation for me to come in every day and attack rehab and try to set myself up to be back as soon as possible and be ready to go for next season. How much have you found a home there in Arizona? I mean, I know contractually speaking, you are a free agent right in March, but do you feel Definitely, like you've, yeah. you found a long-term home there? I, I love it here, and, and the team knew that going into the season that I want to – if it was up to me, I would love to spend the rest of my career here. Maybe in whatever year I'm thinking about retiring, it would be fun to go out and play for the Vikes for one year, but I found home down here. My wife loves it down here. We're actually expecting our first child due March 8th, our due date, so we're about halfway there, and I'm, I love it down here. I love Cliff. I love our front office. I love all the coaches. I love our teammates. Seeing guys like K1 now in his third year, what he's been doing, seeing what he could do in the future. I mean, I love it here, but obviously I know it's contract year and her and whatever it is, it is. But no, if you if it was up to me, I'd be here the rest of my career. I love it down here. So what like is a normal day for you now? I mean, you're at the facility. Are you still in, you know, the tight end meetings? Are you absorbing like the knowledge so, Zach Ertz I'm, has? I'm not, I'm not in the meetings right now. I will be once I get more, a little bit down more, the rehab gets a little easier. I plan on going to meetings, but no, talking to Zach when he got here right day, I, look, I'm in your corner now. Whatever, all the tight ends have been here, anyone on the team, I, I still want us to win. I mean, I'm still asking them, like, as soon as I'm walking away, Baron, can I go to game? Like, I'm all, I want to be a part of this team throughout this whole season. I know it's a special team, special year, and and I'm just trying to find the little ways to have fun. My Doing these stupid little pictures on game day, I'm trying to think of each and every week, and just little ways to still feel connected to the team and try to put some smile on people's faces around the building and having fun with it. 
was going to ask you about the pictures. That was your own individual idea. Is it hard to yeah, keep coming I, up I with ideas week to week? I know because now I feel like it's expected now each each game day. I'm going to have to post something. I'm like, I peaked too soon. I took two great kind of ideas. And now I'm, I'm out of great ideas. But we'll see. I got, I got a few brewing up, and we'll see what I can do here in the future. But I don't think any of them are going to top the first two. You mentioned your wife. When officially did you get married? We got married March 13th of what, what was it, 2021. Okay, so like right at the time like that COVID really kicked well, we, in. We ended up, we were supposed to have a big wedding, and uh, we had still the COVID restrictions in Minnesota at that time. It was like 50 people. So we ended up just getting married with our immediate family and doing a small little just immediate family stuff. And we're planning on doing a big wedding, just kind of one year thing afterwards. But then we wanted to get pregnant right away. And now that's messing the timeline and then me getting hurt. So who knows what we're doing with that. But yeah, having a great time. Married one of my best friends. And what what more can you ask for in life? You know, I'm about to be a dad. I'm married. Still in the NFL. I mean, I got no complaints. I look at I could be all upset about my knee and all this, but I'm like, you know what? Things could be a lot worse. You watch the news and how bad some things can get and just hearing stories from people. It's like, you know what? I can attack every single day. I still have a smile on my face and what more could I ask for? I love that attitude. Expound yeah. on, on fatherhood. I mean, how much does that excite you? It is. And one of my best friends actually had his first child today. This morning I had a text from him and it's just fun. A lot of my friends now are married, having kids and guys on the team and I'm, I'm excited for the next chapter. I'm ready, excited to be a dad. Who knows what stores? And I guess everyone says you're not ready for it till it happens. But uh, it's it, that's the silver lining. You know, I wasn't really able to go do all the doctor's appointment or hearing things with my wife because we were in season and things were so hard. So if I'm saying there's any silver lining or blessing in it. And now I get more prepared to be a dad. And obviously my wife has to help me more now, but be there for my wife throughout this process now better. And so I'm just trying to take every little positive thing I can about it. Jerry Kill, a head coach again. Head coach, TCU. Your thoughts, Actually, even with the interim label, still like never in a million years hey, did I think Jer would be back out. as a head coach on the sidelines. The name Luke McAvoy texted me two days ago, just just some Twitter thing of it, and I thought he was messing with me, but I was. I mean, I love. I, I can never say anything bad about Coach Kill. You can still ask me a million questions in the world. I'm happy for him. Hopefully, he does great the next year and. Hopefully Mama Kill's not too mad at him now. He's technically a head coach again, but hey, he's got all my support through no matter what. He's family, and I'm I'm pumped for him. I can't wait to watch the next game. And then PJ Fleck is family too, right? Like you've developed a really strong bond with you him. Know, the news I've, today of the seven-year extension. PJ Fleck now, and I actually I saw the news this morning on Twitter, and I first thing I reached out to him. Basically, long story short, I said, hey, you know what? You came in, you won the hearts of everyone in Minnesota, and showed how much you care about your team. We're all behind you, and look, I'm excited where he takes for the future. Obviously, when he first got hired, I was a Coach Kill guy, and I didn't know, but the more I've gotten to know PJ and his staff and just everything he stands for and how much he cares about his players, you know, that's really a big thing for me. Is I don't work with him. I don't know any of that stuff, but he truly cares about his players, and that shows, and that was a big thing for me. So I'm, I'm happy for the stay in Minnesota. I'm happy that Coach is staying, and I'm excited to see where the future goes with them. I mean, you can be a Coach Kill and a Coach Fleck guy, like I am. It's, but I get heat from that. Like, Max, I get heat. I played with Kill, so I always have that with Coach Kill, and I don't have that connection with Fleck because obviously I never played with him. So I always have that different relationship with Coach Kill because he was the one who recruited me, and then I played for him, and he was part of that huge process of me coming out early, not coming out early that throughout that year when I was deciding. And But that doesn't take away, like you said, Coach Fleck 
leading the team now, and I'm I'm gopher for life. So I'm all fully bought in. He has my full support. And look, I tell him it all the time. Like, I love watching it. I love what your eyes are all about. And so that's I'm definitely love them both. The West Division Championship seems hey, one week at now. Time. Hey, you one you guys were right there in 14, right? That yeah, that game in Madison. Time. I know the Wisconsin game hurt us my year, but. I think who we got this week? We play Illinois. I mean that we gotta get should Illinois be a first. win. We said that about Bowling Green. I, I know. And Illinois won at Penn I think State. The team learned, and those young running backs are stepping up. And I think if they want to do something special, they have to keep that mentality, kind of like we're doing here in Arizona. Is look, you got to win and lose the same way. The next day, you you correct it, win or lose, draw, and you got to go back to work. So hopefully, they're looking at Illinois the same way. I mean, Illinois did beat Penn State. They so did. They go in each and every week. If they have those huge goals, they eventually be in Indy playing either one of the Michigans or Ohio State for the title. They got to take every game and every day like it's the moment they got to seize. I'll leave you with this. You know, the Vikings play somebody you know real well, the Ravens on Sunday, Lamar Jackson specifically. What, what sort of challenge will Lamar present the Vikings on Sunday? You know, I think you watch a lot about how we play football. And I was fortunate enough now to play with two great quarterbacks like that with Kyler and Lamar. And it's one of those guys, it's it's exciting for the fans. So I know that'll be a fun game to watch, especially with the Vikings defense. And I'll be at home watching all the games. So, you know, I'll be a fan watching all those games on Sunday. But, no, I mean, I couldn't say enough great things about Lamar either. Just the passion that he has for the game of football and the way he attacks every single day. I think a lot of young kids can learn a lot the more they get to know how Lamar Jackson prepares and the type of person that he is when it comes to the football. And that's – I mean, I couldn't – Lamar, I'll always be in Lamar's corner. He – uh He's a good kid. Max, I'll always be in your corner. You always put a smile on my face. Thank you for your positivity. I needed that. So thank you. I'm always here. Okay. Good to see you, Max. Tell Chris thank you, okay? Appreciate it. Talk to you. Arizona Cardinals tight end, Waconia native, former gopher, Max Williams. So that was done. A reminder, that was done the week of the Vikings-Ravens game. And the week of the Gophers-Illinois game, Max tried to tell me I should have listened to him more. I made the mistake of presuming victory. Not only do they lose that game, but then that performance in Iowa. If you had told me the Gophers last Saturday would have, before the third quarter ended, over 200 yards rushing and would not have a single turnover, I would have told you Gophers win. Yet they somehow lost just so many kicks to the groin year after year. Heck, I brought up the game with Max. 2014 in Madison, up two touchdowns, late, what, second quarter, halftime. Then who was it? Was it Melvin Gordon? Somebody went off. I think it was Melvin Gordon in the second half. Heck, I was there, but I'm trying to erase those memories from my brain. But yes, it's just, it's been one gut punch after the other with the Gophers. And we saw another one last week in Iowa. I still can't believe all these days later that the Gophers actually lost that game. So bleeping frustrating. Yes, there is still a chance for the Gophers to win the Big Ten West, but so much has to go right for them. Heck, I look at Iowa's schedule. I think Iowa wins out. So even if the Gophers win out, if they beat Wisconsin, beat Indiana, I think Iowa wins out. Now, could Nebraska beat Iowa? I suppose maybe on Black Friday, but I just think Iowa finds a way to win out. So it's just it's going to be hard this year with all these veteran players, all that talent on the offensive line, so many NFL players on their roster. This was the year for the Gophers to win the Big Ten West. So just a giant 
disappointment. But who knows? Maybe some weird stuff will continue to happen. I didn't think they'd lose to Bowling Green. I didn't think they'd lose to Illinois. So who knows? Maybe Illinois beats Iowa this week. No Brett Bielema. He's got COVID. But weird things happen, especially in college football, certainly in football as a whole. Like I can't predict week to week some of these NFL games. Like so much crazy stuff happens in the NFL. How did Jacksonville beat Buffalo? Just so many crazy things in football, but especially when talking about 18 to 22 to 23-year-olds, you know, just weird stuff can happen. But it's just it's hard for me to see the Gophers now winning the Big Ten West. So very, very disappointing. All right, my final conversation here on Scoop Podcast episode 371 is with Anoka native Blue Jays minor league pitcher by way of the University of Jacksonville. He was the Blue Jays' third-round pick a year ago. His name is Trent Palmer. Year one of professional baseball, your first full season is in the books. Could it have gone any better? Um, I think the beginning of the year, you would have thought a little different. There's, there's some rough patches along the way, but I think as the year went on, I started to learn a little bit more, uh, talked to the coaches a little bit more, and kind of took off from there. How much different is professional baseball compared to pitching at Jacksonville, compared to coming up through the high school ranks? Um, I think a lot of it's just more uh, individual. You don't really have people telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, so it's more individualized. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think knowing like once you figure out your routine, they kind of let you just go with it and roll with it. And I mean, if something needs adjusted, they'll they'll let you know. Great organization. I mean, everything you now know about being a part of the Blue Jays organization. Oh, I mean, just great. Yeah, it's I couldn't be happier. I got picked by them. I mean, everything they do is you you get informed while you're doing it. Even if it's the new analytics approach, you learn the all the aspects behind it, and uh, all the facilities are is good as they can be there is some pretty good coaching too though right like there has to be some pretty good coaching in terms of you know if you're adding a pitch like did i hear that maybe you're trying to add a four seam you know somebody's telling you hey throw your slider more throw your slider less whatever it might be right even though you're talking about it's a lot of individual there's still a good amount of coaching right oh yeah i had two amazing pitching coaches drew hayes and zach stewart both played in the bigs um yeah, that was the big approach at the beginning of the year was let's see if we can get a four seam to ride at the top of the zone just because throwing sinker slider at the bottom, if you can change an eye level, that could help you tremendously. So where are you at in terms of developing that pitch? Um, I'd say it's it's coming along. It's definitely not where it should be. Um, but from the beginning of the season till now, it's it's night and day difference. So what play? Like what? What really worked well for you? As I look at your numbers, the numbers are rock solid. So what, what was working specifically for you? Um, I think the biggest thing was the development of my changeup. That was kind of the big thing. I never really threw in high school or college. I guess I never trusted it. And when I got to the Blue Jays in our like rookie camp, I was just screwing around throwing like a random grip, and they were like, that will play. And I was like, I just started throwing it. So. No, it's came a long, a long ways. So a random grip, like somebody show it to you? You just figure it out yourself? Watch some YouTube clips, or like how how did you come up with that? I mean, playing catch, like I 
I can't just sit there and play like normal catch. Like I want to do other things. Like catch is supposed to be fun. That's supposed to be the most fun part of your day. Um, and I just kind of was screwing around and it clicked for me. So two no hitters? Not only one, but two? Yeah. Um, the first one I was in complete shock and the second one about halfway through I was like, there's no way this is happening again. And I can't thank our defense enough. I mean, both games we had our shortstop made an incredible play, our left fielder made an incredible play, and I guess they always say there's always got to be one of them. And, like, had you ever thrown a no-hitter high school at Jacksonville? Oh, no. Um, usually I'd give up a hit in the first, and it'd be over from there. Um, but I think I, I don't really know, like, how it came about. It was just trusting my stuff, I guess, and there's going to be days you get hit hard and it's outs, and then there's going to be days you give up bloopers and cappers that turn into hits. So I guess it's just luck of the draw. So you had never thrown a no-hitter? Like even, I mean, who knows? Maybe you don't even remember, you know, 11 years old, 12 years old, you know, Little League and all that. But, like, that was maybe literally your, your first no-hitter, that first one, and then the second one was your second one? Yeah. I, I mean, I even, like, remember growing up, I was always wanted to throw one. I mean, it's something you always want to do as a pitcher is try and put up zeros everywhere on the board. And, yeah, that was that was the first time that I can recall, at least. How real is all this now? Like, now that you had this first full year professional baseball, does that dream of reaching the majors, you know, like, does it seem more real? There's still a lot of work to do, clearly. But does it seem more real now that you've experienced professional baseball? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it seems more real now. Just being drafted in that COVID year, we didn't really get to go play, didn't even get to go to the facilities until um, later on in the year. So this year, like being around all those guys that have made it and have been there forever and your coaches are usually ex-big leaguers and you're finally like, wow, this is, this is actually happening. What surprised you about professional baseball? I think the biggest surprise, it's not really a surprise, but how good some of those guys really are. Like just watching Vlad hit BP, you're like, this is unbelievable. This isn't possible for 99.9% .9 of human beings. Is there any sort of welcome to professional baseball moment? Is there some, you know, big leaguer on some rehab assignment that you faced or you know in some you know simulated game did you have a chance to face any big leaguers or maybe it was something else but like you know one of those first times you were on the mound that was was there any like you're you're now a professional pitcher was there any moment that, that comes to mind i think the big league rehab assignment i really remember was nico goodrum um he hit leadoff for the Tigers affiliate and I mean you watch him on TV you never know like how big some of these dudes really are and he stepped in the box and it was like man among boys like it he just stood out and obviously there's guys all over baseball that are the same way but that was like my first time I was like wow this this is a big leaguer so how'd that go Nico used to be in the in the Twins organization. He's had some good moments for the Tigers against the Twins. What yeah. what happened in that at-bat? Um, I think the first at-bat, I got him to roll over to shortstop, and then the second at-bat, I think, I think I struck him out on a 3-2 pitch that 
I mean, he definitely didn't think it was a strike, but as a pitcher, you're always going to assume that it is. I mean, your stuff played. I mean, so you're developing the four seam, so you throw, what, a two seam? You got the change up that you now yep. have added. I mean, you've got starting potential, right? Like, they used you as a starter. Mm -hmm. Is long term, you know, do you view yourself as a starter? I mean, I, th I view myself as a starter. I mean, I think until something happens and... I mean, obviously, I'm going to trust the organization. If they want me to start, I'll start. If they want me to be a reliever down the road, that that's all right, too. I mean, I just want to have a chance to help a big league team. you have a sense of where you'll start next season? Have they had any discussions with you along um, those lines? I haven't really discussed too much. And, I mean, I'm all right with that. They have their, they have their uh, reasons to put me in certain spots, and that's whatever they do, I'll go with it and... Just keep on moving. Is it safe to assume, though, that you've conquered all there is to conquer in Dunedin, that it's time to move up? I mean, I think there's parts in the year where I had thought, like, maybe I'll get moved, and I guess I just trusted them, and they obviously have a plan for me, so I just said, you know what, you guys, you guys took a chance on me. I'll trust you guys, and if it goes the right way, it'll go the right way, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. How was life in done either. I mean, there's all these stories about, you know, minor league players and some of the living conditions and all that, but how was it for you? Uh, for me, I had, me and a couple roommates bought a house, or rented a house over, kind of on the Dunedin Causeway, so it's right on right on the uh, the bay. Um, so, like, me, Zach Britton, P.K. Morris, Harrison Ray, we just kind of put four people in a little two-bedroom house and it was we were fine with it. I mean, cool spot down there, right? Oh, I mean, perfect. Yeah. Perfect conditions. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, did you have a lot of free time, though? Or was it, you know, you're either at the ballpark at, who knows, 1, 2 o'clock, and you're not getting out of there until 11, maybe later at night, and, you know, half the time you're on the road. But did you have some free time? Um, I think most of our free time was on Mondays, we always had an off day Monday. That was just like the set deal. Every Monday was an off day. Um, so we'd always go golfing, just go to the beach, kind of hang out. We wouldn't really do that much just because you're busy every other day. Um, but a lot of us will just kind of hang out after games and somebody we'll all go over to somebody's house and just kind of chill and watch TV, whatever it may be. What sort of relationship do you have with with the Matamidi kid from Jacksonville, Bauman, who he made it all the way up. Like, he made it with, with the Orioles. I think he got sent down shortly thereafter, but he can now say he made it, and I think the Orioles have some pretty big plans for him moving forward. Yeah, so um, he actually helped me get to Jacksonville. He's like a big piece in that, me getting there. Um, so I guess I've, I've kind of always known him as like being Jacks like the Jacksonville baseball player that I first encountered. Um, he's helped me like more than I can thank him. Um, if I had any questions about the draft, like he'd get right back to me. Uh, any tips or things to get through like minor league season, how to stay healthy, um, just kind of how to go about business in a professional way. He was always super willing to help me, which was I can't thank him enough. So how cool was it then? I mean, after you get word that he's been called up, I think it was just like that same day he ended up getting in a game against the, I think it was the Royals. Yep, and he got 
he got his first big league win the uh, his first outing. So it was pretty cool seeing him go up and have some success. And I, I mean, I hope he stays there for 15 years and has a great career because he he deserves it. He's a great guy. Seems like there's so many pitchers from the metro area. Sure, there's the Bush kid who went to Simley High School. I mean, he's one of the Dodgers' top prospects. Yep. So it's not like it's just all pitchers, but there are just so many pitchers and not that many hitters. Have you noticed that? Like, can you explain that at all? I mean, I guess the hitters that have came out of Minnesota have been very, very productive. I mean, you got Bush, you got Walner, um, the arms, you got Meyer, Carlson, Henches. I mean, there's. You got you got some good baseball players out of the state, and it's pretty cool to like see those guys succeed. Just because there's not a thousand of us like Florida has and Georgia and all them, so it's pretty cool to see like the smaller group of Minnesota guys just go out and have success. You mentioned Henches. I mean, that was like a seven-year journey, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was a 2014 draft pick, and I get it. 2020 was a weird year, but. Like, it can be a really long journey, can it? Oh, absolutely. I uh, I actually remember him playing in the state tournament his senior year. I just, me and a couple of buddies went to watch, and I think he went like four for four at the plate and threw like a shutout. And I was like, all right, that guy's, uh, he's he stands out for sure. So it's pretty cool to see him now for the Indians and in the starting role and making a start every week and having some success. So what's the next few months look like? I mean, you know, like, how much do you dial it up here? When do you start throwing off a mound? When do you start dialing back up to, you know, 90-something? Or is that like a slow process here where you need some rest here the next few months? Uh, so I actually start throwing today for the first time in about a month and a half or two months. Um, it's going to be a pretty, like, slow process, gradual buildup. Um, I just do that over at the Minnesota Iceman facility, and then I have a athletic trainer, um, Michael Walker, who's with ETS Performance, um, and it's been great working with him. He he's amazing at what he does. I'm glad that I came home and worked with him because he's he's helped me a ton. So that was strategic. I mean, was there some thought in maintaining the the rented house down there and just staying down there full time? Uh, no, I, I kind of wanted to make plans for the off season ahead of time so I wasn't sitting there scrambling and wasting time. Uh, so I reached out to them probably like a month and a half before, and he just said, yeah, come on in as soon as you get back and we'll get to work. And I think I took a week or two off of doing nothing and then headed over to ETS and started, and it's been, it's been good. Anoka native, one of the better pitchers in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, that was Trent Palmer. One other note, Wolves assistant general manager Gianluca Pascucci is in Gainesville, Florida tonight for the Florida UW-Milwaukee game. Patrick Baldwin Jr. is a big-time NBA prospect playing for Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He is, if you look at mock drafts, he's a top-five pick come June. So the Wolves have their assistant GM in Gainesville, checking him out and other prospects, but certainly checking out Baldwin Jr. Again, just a reminder, the Wolves are scouting more college games 
than I can ever remember. I mean, they are just everywhere scouting the top prospects. They want to have many eyeballs on all the top guys over the course of this season. All right, we are done on this Thursday night. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 371. Stay safe. Stay sane.